beekeeping is a craft that pays you back, or could even provide you with a small income. It is hard not to be inspired by the bees' sheer hard work and persistence, and the resilience in the face of blunders by the beekeeper. You knock a hole out of the honeycomb, and they go and repair it. In a hive, you have thirty thousand plus experts, no matter how inexperienced you are. This book is not intended to be a textbook for beekeepers. What it will do is give you an outline of what is involved in becoming a beekeeper and what demands it will place on your time and your resources. The best time to start. There is no perfect time to take up the subject, but winter to early spring is as good as any. You can read up on the subject, contact your local beekeeping group, and perhaps enrol in a beekeeping theory course. The majority of these are held from January through to April, though some will be held a little later in the year. Most of the county beekeeping associations will run a beginner's practical course between April and August, and getting new recruits in is regarded as vital for the health of the hobby. Through contact with local beekeepers, you will be able to see them at work, and most importantly, find out who has some bees or spare equipment for sale. The cost. Beekeeping. Is one of the few hobbies that actually pays you back. Anglers don't calculate the price of fish they catch and balance it with their expenditure on equipment, but beekeepers often do. When starting out in beekeeping, there are some things that you should buy new, like a bee veil or suit, gloves, scraper, and smoker, and there are some things you can get away with secondhand, particularly hives. It's only when you've started keeping bees for a little while that you'll be able to work out what is most important to you, and then is the time to buy new. There is nothing to match the powerful smell of the red cedar used in the best hives, and a visit to a beekeeping shop can be a huge temptation. Again, the local and county beekeeping associations often have sale days or auctions where you can pick up equipment at a third of the price in the catalogues. In two thousand and seven. You could buy a four-frame nucleus mini hive of bees from Thorns for a hundred and forty pounds, and a complete but unassembled national hive, along with a beginner's kit of veil, smoker, hive tool, introductory book, record book, and feeder, for two hundred and fifty pounds. Though prices vary from region to region, you should still be able to pick up a second-hand national hive complete with bees for around a hundred pounds at auction. Or maybe buy a hive from a member of your local association who is cutting down. In all cases, you will need assurances that the equipment and bees are disease-free. The great benefit of buying a full working hive is that you will get a good crop at the end of your first summer, while a nucleus will spend the summer building up its numbers and drawing out honeycomb from foundation. What about stings? The biggest reason that puts people off beekeeping is the fear of being stung. One of the great myths about bees is that they are naturally aggressive. Unlike malicious wasps, a bee will only sting when it feels under threat. If a bee lands on a person away from the hive, then it will have done so accidentally. It has mistaken you for a flower or shrub, or is simply tired and gathering itself. There is little risk of being stung. When someone comes too close to the front of a hive, though, or knocks into it, bees dislike vibration. Then they're at risk of being stung. Bees have hooks on the end of their legs that can get entangled in hair and in clothes. If they land and then cannot get away, they can panic and sting. 
It's a reflex reaction. That's why the best reaction to a bee landing on you is to watch it. Provided its legs are not caught in the material of your clothes, it will fly away. Rapid movement is most likely to panic it. A sting is a tragedy for both stinger and stung. What bees don't realize is that when they insert the barbed sting into human skin, the barbs make it impossible for them to remove it from the tough epidermis, and so the sting, along with the venom sac, is wrenched out of the bee's abdomen, killing the bee. When protecting their hives against invasive wasps, bees can usually remove the sting from the chitinous bodies of wasps. Not so with other animals. When trying to establish the culprit of an insect sting, if no sting is left behind, then it's likely to have been a wasp that was responsible. Wasps have barbless stings and can sting and sting again. If stung by a bee and the venom sac is left behind, the best technique to remove it is to scrape it away, grasping it between two.